You said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. That's right. We are all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. Scott. <laughs> I'm sober this time. You're sober. I'm, I'm so happy to hear you not stuttering over your words. But what can I say? It's not my birthday anymore. I, I get one. I get one. <laughs> I, I laugh at like, you know, when I called you out on this in the last episode that you were, you know, because it was your birthday. And by the end of our recording, I, I could tell that you were starting to. Oh, I was too. I was two glasses in. I was two glasses in an Irish whiskey. Of course <laughs> I was drunk. You, you were a little tipsy. You were a little tipsy. And if, if you don't believe me, just go back and listen to episode 148. And listen to like the last 10 minutes. The inability to say WWW was a giant kick. That was hilarious. That was great. And I just love the fact that you were like, to me, you were just denying it. Like, oh no, you know, when I when I get tipsy, I, oh, I get no. even more straight as an arrow. Like, you know, whatever you said. W- I was having so much fun with it. I know, I know. And then denying and then, it made it more fun. And then the uh, the listeners completely call you out on it, which was just awesome. Oh, it's great. <laughs> oh, I've all oh, the gifs that I saw this week were fantastic. <laughs> they I were just, great. I oh special special call to the one that Lisa sent me. That one was that one was hilarious. I loved that one. Which one was that one? Oh, oh was that, that the guy on the, the fence? St- fence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was good. So oh. anyway, well, I'm glad you sobered up. I know we've had like you know a week for you to sober up. So <laughs> now you stick me in the drunk, stick me in the drunk tank for a week. Absolutely, you know, like I can get there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, um, we need to kind of get started with this. Uh, just as a quick reminder, guys, we have a couple other shows that we would encourage you to go listen to. Actually, a few shows. We, you know, Ray and Brent put out a couple shows. First one is Fans Without Borders, and the second one is DC TV Squadcast, which is in season right now. Both of those shows are great. Uh, if you're a big DC TV fan, especially the DC TV on the CW. That's a show you want to listen to. And then Fans Without Borders pretty much talk about anything geek related. We're not limited to just DC. Yeah, and then over at DC Comics Squadcast, Chris and Jordan are talking about all the Justice League related titles. And their latest episode is one that I can actually listen to now because they talk about Doomsday Clock number four and Metal number six, both of which I read last week on my birthday. So I'm going to download that episode and actually listen to it. That's good. That's good. And guys, if you, uh, if you feel like we deserve it, please we encourage you to go out and leave us a a review wherever you listen to shows. I mean, we used to really encourage you to to leave something on iTunes, which is now called Apple Podcasts. So you could leave us a review there. But if you listen anywhere else, just go ahead and we'd encourage you to leave a review uh, that helps kind of support the show and give us some goodwill out there. And Scott, we actually have a contest right now. And we we got another entry this past week, which is just great. I know Tim Rooney filmed a wonderful commercial since he is a a filmmaker uh, through the Lens Productions. And he did a great commercial <laughs> promoting the entire network. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I tweeted it out. I posted it on Vero. I think it's hilarious. Let's just say that there's an Aquaman Funko Pop that I thought made an, an amazing performance in the commercial. Yes. And I liked how that was slipped in there. Like you could tell there was there was a 
also an agenda, which I appreciated. <laughs> Had to give Aquaman some love. Oh, yes. No, but thank you, Tim, for that. That was awesome. I uh, really appreciate it. And that's part of our, we're trying something different for this next giveaway. We're anything up to a $20 DC trade paperback, you could win. And all you have to do is go out there and promote us into corners of the internet that we're not at. Ooh. And then, of course, if you feel like that you can help support us, go over to patreon.com slash media And, you know, for $5 a month, you can get access to all kinds of interesting stories. We we actually had fun talking about one before we started recording tonight. And if you're curious... We just recorded part two of our, what we anticipate will be a trilogy. Of um, some interesting conversation. <laughs> so check that out. And I believe we're all talking about, probably in about a week, finally recording episode... What is it? It would be episode... I think seven. Seven. Episode seven of Movie Squadcast, Unbreakable. Which, if I can make it, will be my very first modern movie appearance. I'm looking forward to that. Well, wait a minute. That means it is actually not episode seven. It's got to be episode six. No, because all the modern movies... No, modern movies are are odd numbers because our first movie was a... Because I've been on three retros. So it's it's episode seven. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I think we have about four people lined up for that one. So that's going to be a fun one. If we all make it. If we all make it. And I'm looking forward to going back and doing Unbreakable because I haven't seen that film in quite a while. Oh, it's been a long time yeah. since I've seen that movie. So I'm, I'm that's going to be fun. So, uh, you know, once again, patreon.com slash Squadcast Media. If you feel like you can support us and you think we deserve it, we'd love to have your help in keeping the lights on. Yes. We've got some other stuff coming as well. So uh, we're putting stuff out there for patrons that will be out there at least for quite a while, exclusive to patrons. Uh, and some stuff may never, we may never publish anywhere else. Uh, we're not really sure what we're going to do with some of this added content. Oh, I, I, I do have to plug the fact that uh, Ray and I did a Ready Player One review this past week. Yeah. So that was fun. All right. So I think we need to get on with the news. Okay. Well, you get us started. Okay. Well, we're going to start off our next film, December 21st of this year, is Aquaman. And so there apparently was another round of test screens that have occurred. And this actually happened on the Warner Brothers lot. And this comes from a couple different sources. So we kind of feel like it's fairly... Uh, it, it's... Uh, fair game? It, well, no, it, not, not not as much fair game. I, I, I think it's 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 fairly... We're fairly confident that this actually did occur. Okay. Uh, so there were actual test screenings. And uh, let's give you some of the feedback we actually got. And this comes from Jeremy Conrad, who I would say is uh, a, one of the 50-50 people I would put out there. You know, half the time... Would you give him 50-50? I don't know if I'd give him quite 50-50, but <laughs> he's been a little bit more wrong than right lately. But this is one that came from multiple sources. And uh, so he was getting some reactions to this test screening. And uh, he said that it definitely happened. Uh, he had actually talked to somebody about it. And he said the feedback that he got was that the crowd went nuts for it. Apparently what Warner Brothers did is they had advertised it that they were going to be doing a test screening of a film, which is pretty common. Uh, but they had advertised it that it's going to be a new line film. And so they actually got people coming to the test screening who thought that it was going to either be um, the movie Nun or Meg. And is that a movie Nun or Meg? I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not aware of these, uh, of, of these, of these films of which you speak. So, and the reason they did that is because they wanted it to be a non-comic book crowd. And basically, the reason of this is that you know, uh, us as like fanboys and fangirls, what we quite often do is we actually, you know, we love these films, and so we quite often very much overlook, you know, some of the problems that uh, a general audience might have. And so Warner Brothers wanted to have, you know, basically have what they consider to be kind of like a, a more representative of a general audience crowd. Well, actually, maybe general audience crowd, but I, I was just looking up what the 
Nun and The Meg are. Uh, the Nun is a horror thriller, and The Meg is a sci-fi movie with Jason Statham. Okay, yeah. So you're still getting a genre crowd, but maybe not specifically a comic book movie crowd. Yeah, not a comic book movie crowd. All right. So uh, this was also followed up by Umberto Gonzalez, who had also reported that he had heard about there being a test screening, apparently, as well. So so I don't know. You know, apparently positive feedback from people that may not have necessarily been the target audience for this. I don't know. I don't know if we can conclude that. I don't know. I just, I'm, call, call me... <laughs> I don't know, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, fool me three times, shame on both of us. I just, I just really cannot get jazzed up for test screening rumor reaction stuff anymore. I just, it just, it just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. (laughs) So I'll wait till the movie comes out. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, it still goes back. It's, it's so amazing how incredibly quiet this film has been. Yes, which I am super excited for. Yeah. I love the fact that we're not really hearing anything and I'm okay with that. Yep, me too. Uh, now, a movie we're, we're hearing a lot about, actually, is our next DCEU film, Shazam, coming out April 5th, 2019. Um, Sandberg, I think, wins the April Fool's Day. Um, he he did it. I mean, every, <laughs> a lot of people were very unoriginal and not funny, but no, he uh, he went to social media and he posted, uh, I saw it on Twitter, a tweet that says, I'm just going to leave this here, and it looked like it was going to be a trailer for Shazam. You know, you hear, you know, a booming voice addressing Billy Batson. You see lightning and thunder. But it did have the old DC logo, though. That was kind of like the giveaway for me. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, by the time I saw it, I already knew it was a joke. Yeah. Because I also avoid the internet on April Fool's Day. Right. So, and, then, <laughs> and then, of course, he cuts in clips of uh, the old the awful 70s Shazam TV show, <laughs> which I've actually never seen an episode of. I've just seen enough footage to know I'm not going to bother watching that. Oh, I saw it as a kid. It, it used to be on like Saturday morning. It was like a back to back with the ISIS hour or something like that. The Shazam ISIS hour. The, you know, okay. do you remember the Mighty ISIS show at all? I've never even heard of it. You've never heard of the Mighty ISIS show? Okay, so no, there was there no. was a character that was once again old man creeps <laughs> back around. There was a there was a show. I mean, it was at the time DC was I I believe they were licensing the character ISIS at the time because I don't I I honestly don't know if ISIS was supposed to be a DC original character at the time, but it was it was somehow kind of tied into that some of the similar mythology but anyway they so they had a half hour of shazam and then they had like a half hour of the of isis and uh you know both of them were short-lived <laughs> i don't think either one went past um well actually shazam did it go a couple seasons i don't remember no it only went one season because just the one can, season you can buy you can buy like a one dvd or you know from warner archive okay like it it's not even multiple it's not even multiple box sets it's like you buy one thing and you're done at any rate uh what was funny about about this little joke video of David Sandberg's uh, it showed Shazam flying which is clearly like him kind of like planking off of something like something holding his the lower part of his body <laughs> and just outstretched arms probably that RV that the old man's driving I don't know <laughs> yeah that was the other thing too we were, we were kind of talking about this we were recorded like there was uh there was something about that show and I'm sure some of our listeners out there probably know it I just don't know offhand but like they were traveling around the country Billy Batson and his older guy who was driving like an RV or a motorhome at the time 
time. And I've never quite understood what that had to do with uh, Shazam. But I think, and I just, I think somebody told me that that was actually part of some of the comic story, that there was an actual RV somewhere involved, somewhere in there. So anyway, uh, just seeing that old footage was hilarious. <laughs> and then, of course, it was him saving someone off of a runaway horse, which then gave rise to the title Shazam Rise of the Pony Smasher, which yeah. I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of fantastic, Zachary Levi defended oh, yes. the Shazam suit on Instagram. Go, Zach. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. Some uh, some fan had asked him as he was doing a live stream, he says, you know, why the crap suit? <laughs> and Levi came back and he says, well, well, I don't think it's a crap suit. I think my suit is the effing bomb, to be perfectly honest. I know there hasn't been an officially released photo yet, but there have been incredibly high quality photos that have been released. And he said, I think any of you people out there who are still hung up on what the suit looks like are just wanting to be angry for angry sake. I think you're very insecure. You're probably dealing with some stuff in your own life and you feel a little powerless and I'm sorry that you do. <laughs> so it was great. I just loved he jumped in there and he's just like, he was just like, no, no, I, I love this suit. He's just completely defending it. Yeah, I, lo- I love the fact that he suggests that fans who don't like the costume should reflect on their own lives and why they're so negative. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Perfect. Yes, preach, Zach. Yeah, yeah, a perfect internet response. Oh, it's a fantastic internet response. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then we had a tweet from um, Neville Page, who was a creature designer for Prometheus, Star Trek, and Avatar, who apparently was quoting a Pony Smasher tweet, saying it's coming along nice. That same tweet from the video, the April Fool's Day video. Yeah, it's coming along nicely. Can't wait to see the fruits of our labors. And then, um, then Neville Page liked a tweet that said uh, identified Neville Page as the creature designer for Avatar Prometheus and someone asked seven seven deadly sins question mark and uh, Neville Page then responded to someone else who had a picture of the seven deadly sins from the New 52 run and said well I I am also a costume designer so so not uh, not confirming anything like I kind of felt like the second thing where he said I'm also a costume designer was kind of like well and it doesn't mean I'm necessarily doing the seven deadly sins yeah but I just, once again, it's just Pete, everyone involved in this production is having so much fun on social media. No, but uh, especially something that apparently tickled you rather pink. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the whole thing about this thing too. I mean, kind of getting back to the seven deadly sins is like, I hadn't really thought about it, but man, I'll tell you what, you know, you have David Sandberg who comes from the horror genre and like, oh, they could do some really cool stuff with that, you know, with Shazam. Oh yeah. 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 But I want to hear you talk about this Instagram video that has like, you just tickled. Oh, <laughs> um, Asher Angel sent something out on Instagram just a, a short while ago and it was uh, it was a video and Scott and I watched it we couldn't quite exactly figure out but I think it was um, you know one of their trailers on the set where they're filming and we think it was Asher actually coming out of a trailer and somebody was standing off to the side and I don't know if we're exactly sure who it was but they jumped out and scared him and it's one of the funniest looks you'll ever see of somebody getting next Asher's reaction is hilarious oh if yeah. you thought if you thought hearing me get frightened by my son on the Batman 66 <laughs> review was hilarious. You need to see this for a visual. It uh, was great. Yeah, but the problem is the Batman 66 was on Patreon only. That was the first recording, wasn't it? It was the fr- Oh, I don't know. Was it the Patreon? That only? was the first recording. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, then that's another reason. That we had to scrap. Oh, no, you didn't scrap. You posted on Patreon. Well, I posted on so Patreon, if, but I didn't. If you want to hear me make a complete full out of myself, go pay five bucks and go listen to it on Patreon because oh, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, yeah. 
it, it is a it is a classic. <laughs> it's classic. You gotta go. You gotta go listen. Classic Scott moment. Oh, oh man. Well, and then moving on to Wonder Woman two because it's been kind of a slim news week. Um, uh, it is being reported that Wonder Woman was the most profitable superhero film of 2017, apparently making a profit of 252.9 million dollars, which is not is which is not inconceivable considering one how much money it made and the I think what didn't they only have like 150 million dollar budget? I think so. Yeah, I don't think that includes the marketing, but their marketing wasn't like I mean I don't think it it was that large because they were doing all that targeted marketing we talked about. Yeah, so that's uh so hey and Patty Jenkins of course uh, retweeted uh, one of the articles and said thanks to all of you thank you for your incredible support then and now. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, then we also learned that you know as we're getting ready to ramp up and you know they're going to be filming Wonder Woman two here sometime this summer we we understand uh, we also got word here from the IMAX Corporation uh, an executive actually come out and said that select sequences from the Wonder Woman sequel are actually going to be filmed in IMAX using the IMAX cameras and he and it was quoted as saying I'm excited to announce that Wonder Woman 2 which comes out in the second half of 2019 will be shot with IMAX film cameras in select sequences this Warner Brothers DC production the sequel and the global juggernaut from 2017 is directed by Patty Jenkins and produced by Chuck Roven and Rebecca Oakley Roven I didn't know that Rebecca Oakley was actually involved I don't even know who oh is that is that Charles Roven's wife I guess or so a, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was a wife or a daughter or, or, or whatever yeah, somebody, but um, yeah. yeah okay neat well and then I think we talked about this briefly but it has officially happened Linda Carter got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame yep and she did the classic the crossing of the forearm pose the X it's not an X it's, it's just just you know bracelets you know I someone was talking about the fact that this is getting really funny with with the crossing of the arms and how many oh I think it was DC on screen they're talking about how many characters that like no no it wasn't even them it was uh, Brent and Ray how many different characters like the crossing of the arms thing goes with now yeah it's like it's like you can't accuse anyone of ripping off the other because they're all doing it yeah <laughs> and then we got some word here that Wonder Woman film has actually gotten nominated for a Hugo Award and uh, so if you want to know what a Hugo Award is it's uh, it's it's generally set of like literary awards that are given out every year for the best science fiction or fantasy works and uh, for like achievements from the previous year. Now, uh, these awards actually cover everything. And so, you know, from comic books to novels to films, and they actually have uh, a category for the best dramatic presentation long form, which is basically covering film and TV episodes and that kind of thing. So so it's cool to see. Yeah, it's basically the it's the Pulitzer's for science fiction is what I always like to call the Hugo Award. Right, right. Now, uh, and then, well, the, the hits just keep on coming. Uh, there was an article from Boris Kidd on The Hollywood Reporter that suggested that uh, Dan Mazou, I think is how you pronounce his name, who is, who apparently, in the article talking about him doing an adaptation of Ernest Cline's second novel, Armada, it says, there's a line in the article that says, he worked on the Warner Brothers Flash movie project when it was titled Flashpoint. And so that got people going, when it was titled Flashpoint? Does that mean it's no longer title Flashpoint? And of course, you know, the internet just started a buzzing. And then Boris Kidd had a follow-up email, that not follow-up email, follow-up tweet that said, I didn't say they weren't adapting Flashpoint. All I said was that it wouldn't be titled Flashpoint, but maybe I've said too much. And then he gave like a winky, tongue-sticking-out smiley face emoji. It's a little bit of backtracking. I mean, he clearly, you know, he he's... He knows something. Well, he's he's got a lot of trusted sources, so um, he clearly knows things that he doesn't necessarily report on. So it's not like he kind of gave away a little bit of information there about Flashpoint. And, and I always kind of felt like that made sense. I, I didn't 
think that was like the right title for the Flash film at any rate. But um, and I still kind of question whether they should even do a Flashpoint storyline. I question I question whether it's still going to be the Flashpoint storyline or even even if it has that title, is it that story? Right. You know, yeah, I think we had said before is just because it's called Flashpoint doesn't mean they're going to do that storyline. Well, I mean, I I still think it could be neither one of these. Like, you know, we may never see Flashpoint in the title, which is being implied here, and we may never see the Flashpoint storyline, at least not at this point. Yeah. Well, then moving, not really moving on to Suicide Squad 2 news, but uh, something related. Gavin O'Connor, who is currently tapped to write and direct Suicide Squad 2, um, as many of you probably know, he directed The Accountant with Ben Affleck, a movie that I I personally really enjoyed. And uh, numbers are in, and apparently The Accountant was the number one DVD and Blu-ray rental of 2017 and was also the number one digital rental. So people kind of just coming back and kind of discovering that one. And then Wonder Woman was like number three on sales, number four on rentals, and then uh, number three in digital rentals and number two in estimated sales. So, you know, we've got some good little representation here of either past DCEU work or people who are are in line for future DCEU work, which is glad because I know you weren't as impressed by it as I was, but I really enjoyed the film, so I was very happy to hear this news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's kind of interesting about this thing, and it, it kind of shows you that there's uh, there's different things that can kind of drive people whether or not they're going to actually purchase a film or whether they're just going to rent it. And one of the interesting things here is the accountant actually did not even crack the top 30 when it came to disc sales, but yet it was like the top rented. And so it, it, it kind of shows you that, you know, there's a ton of interest, but not enough for people to actually go buy it. Well, but it's also one of those things that when you have a movie that has a twist in it, once you know what the twist is, some people have no desire to go back and uh, rewatch something. Very true. Very true. So, yeah. So then we got a little bit of an update on the solo Batman film. Now, Matt Reeves had responded to a tweet by somebody saying that his film Let Me In is actually on Netflix. And so he posted a little smiley face as a response to it. And then somebody jumped in uh, named Elijah Pearson said, hey, you know, I'm sure people ask you about this all the time about the Batman, who will be in it, what is it about, etc. But I bet no one asks how it is going on the Batman. So how is it going on the Batman? Question mark. And so Matt responded actually back to the to Elijah and said, really, really well. Thanks. I could not be more excited. And then he gave an emoji of a bat. So that's our grand update on the progress of the solo Batman film. <laughs> <laughs> people try to make news out of anything at yeah. this point. Uh, but, it, but it is something. He's still engaged. So that's a good sign. There was all these like crazy rumors going around that he was going to drop out. Well, and then <laughs> speaking of which, now we have a really sweet story involving Ben Affleck reaching out to a um, to a terminally ill fan. Uh, there is a young boy who is from the con- is a refugee from the Congo. Uh, his name is um, Makuta. Is that how you would pronounce his name? I would say that Makuta. He's 11 years old, and apparently he is dying from cancer. He is currently at the visiting nurse hospice home in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, there was a tweet from the hospital, well, from the hospice, you know, saying, uh, you know, Makuta's a big Batman fan and could some people, you know, help maybe, you know, get Ben Affleck's attention. So much so that even Zachary Levi uh, tweeted out the uh, the plea saying, I don't have an official bat signal, but I'll boost this for all it's worth at Ben Affleck. This little dude could really use some caped crusading right about now. And uh, we got the news 
news yesterday that Ben Affleck did a did a video phone call. It looks like you know he like FaceTimed or something and spoke with the young boy. And uh, the hospice sent out a tweet saying, "Such a memorable day for Makuta, who's a super Batman fan. He received a phone call from Ben Affleck today, thanks to the widespread community support and helping us deliver on our mission to improve the lives of those we serve." Now, I once I heard that the boys from the Congo that made really a lot of sense to me because I knew that um, Affleck had founded the Eastern Congo Initiative, and it's been a very big advocacy program that he is a part of. But he also, I heard, uh, offered to fly Makuta's mom from Zimbabwe to Atlanta to be with her son. Uh, so that was, I thought that was uh, really awesome. Yeah. That was really nice. Yeah. yeah, and then Zachary Levi followed up afterwards and with another tweet, and he says, not all heroes wear capes, though coincidentally some do. Bravo, Ben Affleck. And continued prayers for Mukata. Uh, these these stories just are always like so touching. You know, you just think of like, you know, you think of like how important these stories are to us in our lives. You know, like, you know, our love for these characters that we grew up with and, and with some of these young kids like this, I mean, like incredibly important to them. And even though they might be with like a terminal illness, like something like this can just mean so much in the world to them. It's it's, it's always humbling to kind of see these stories. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how to take the, the next story involving the Joke and Origin movie <laughs> and Joaquin Phoenix. But Joaquin Phoenix is continuing to have fun with any interviewer who wants to ask him questions about the film and if he's even involved in it. Uh, you know, Fandango was interviewing him and asking if he would play the Joker, to which Joaquin Phoenix responded, I don't know. It could be an interesting character. I don't know. And then he was asked if he would do a just a comic book film in general. And he says that he sees it as any other movie because um, he says, I wouldn't say I won't do westerns because it depends on what the movie is and he goes on to say he doesn't care about the genre and he says he would never say he won't do any kind of movie basically he leaves his door to open so basically he just he just talks around the question yeah it's 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 you know it's a it's a lot it's a lot of talking that means kind of nothing yeah because he doesn't actually ever say anything yeah but it uh and, and it's kind of funny there because there he's kind of like uh acknowledging like he knows who Joker is in that interview but in another interview that he did with Yahoo Movies, they had asked him, they said, yeah, you know, you have the slate of upcoming projects with a bunch of Asim directors. And there's another rumored one that we haven't yet discussed. And he said, and the interviewer said, namely Todd Phillips movie about the Joker. And Phoenix responded, who? And the interviewer says, the Batman villain. He goes, oh, oh, interesting, with uh, a little smile. So it's it's kind of funny. He's, you know, with some interviews, he's like, completely knows who the character is. And then other ones, he's still trying to play coy, which just goes to tell me that like there's definitely some discussions going on as as it's been you know reported okay <laughs> oh and then, then then more actors being coy uh joe manganello was on was at the premiere of rampage because he's in that with uh Dwayne the rock johnson and jeffrey dean morgan and they asked and variety asked him about uh how things are going with the deathstroke film to which joe manganello basically just said there are things in the works that's all i can say yeah so once again a whole lot of nothing yeah. And I actually watched that interview or that little conversation and I didn't take it as he was responding to there being a Deathstroke film. I just took it as he was responding to the character of Deathstroke. Him showing up as him as Deathstroke showing up again. Yeah, but after I finished the raid, I really do want to see a Deathstroke <laughs> movie by that guy. Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be. <laughs> but I, I kind of feel like they I kind of feel like they need to have him show up again somewhere. No, I, I agree. I agree because you know I just had my my mother-in-law watch Justice League last 
night. And then she texted me when she saw the end credit scene and was just like, who is that? Who is that guy with Lex Luthor? And I was like, Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke. You know, just send. So I can't remember. Now, we've got Aquaman coming up here. Do we feel like we're going to, and I can't remember where you land on this. Do you think we're going to get Lex Luthor, kind of like an end credit scene, you know, recruiting, like, say, Black Manta? <sighs> there's the difference between do I think it's going to happen and do I want it to happen? And I kind of do. I, I, I want it, you know, it, 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 it's almost like you recruited Death, you kind of recruit Deathstroke at the end of Justice League, recruit Black Mana at the end of Aquaman, recruit Cheetah maybe at the end of uh, Wonder Woman 2. Like, with the movies that are coming out, you can build a Legion of Doom out of this. Pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, it wouldn't be, wouldn't it be something if, if it was like Lex Luthor there with Deathstroke recruiting... Black Manta. Oh, I would lose. I would, I would lose my crap. Yeah, I would lose my crap. That would be so. Awesome. It was just you know, and especially since Black Manta is reportedly not that big of a role in Aquaman, because everything we've heard is said that Orm is the true villain of the movie. Um, I don't know. It's just, but with that in credit scene, I feel like that's where they're they. It's where they. I hate to use. It's where they should go. You know, you've already teased the Legion of Doom, so you need to start building a Legion of Doom. Yeah, and maybe we get Savannah or Savannah. Is it Savannah or Savannah? I always say Savannah. I've always, that's how I've always said it. Yeah. So I feel like they could do something quite fun with this. I mean, because you obviously had, you know, you had Nick Fury uh, starting off in Iron Man, basically recruiting the team for Avengers. And, and this could be a fun way for DC to just kind of like build up some excitement and hype for an upcoming, like, say, Legion of Doom film or something like that, you know, wherever they end up showing it. And it wouldn't even, and, and, you know, you bring, you bring up the MCU, but really that was the only, that was the only end credit scene that was a recruitment. Yeah. The rest of them, they just all kind of showed up in a oh the closest you come is is nick fury showing up at the actual end of captain america first avenger Mm -hmm. yeah but uh so i would be uh i would would be cool with a legion of doom build up and like going okay so this is going to be the roster awesome yeah that would be fun though well uh so i think we should touch on this we talked about Zack snyder has been getting a lot more engaged on social media lately and just confirming a lot of different fan questions about elements and batman v superman there's a bunch here we should probably run through well, I don't know. Do we need to run through? I just feel like it's there's a lot. And if you're if you ever wanted to know, like you know, you want to get like the director's commentary, which we never, which by the way, we never got for BVS. And no. I'm, I'm I'm kind of po'd about that. <laughs> it's like this is this is basically the kind of stuff that director's commentaries would point out. Yeah. And he has been going to town in the past week on Vero. Well, I think we need to bullet point these though. Okay. So, but I do want to go ahead and say so much so that there has been an actual like Easter egg reference trivia contest that uh, has been posted on Vero. Fiona kind of helped organize it. Zach is involved. And if you're interested, you know, look it up on Vero. Look at it. Look up Fiona on Twitter. Like there's a contest running now through April 22nd where, you know, the three most interesting references that someone brings up, Zach will, you know, kind of dive into on Vero. So it's so it's something that like if you think this stuff is interesting you know find your obscure reference in bvs and go for it yeah well so let's uh let's run through some of these real quick and some of these are things that i think you know a lot of us as big fans of the film these things were pretty clear to some of us um, right that have been you know that have really dug in and paid close attention to the things that were being said and a lot of the the allegories uh so let's bullet point these uh josh costella on vero had mentioned that 
Bruce's dream, at least the part where Barry talks to him, was definitely real. And he said the papers are floating up through the air in the background when he wakes up. So there's been a lot of debate uh, among some of the fan community about whether this was a real vision that Bruce had or not. And Zack Snyder just jumped right in and said, real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ever since I saw the paper flapping in the background. Yeah, that, that was my take as well. But so now there shouldn't be any more doubt about it. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of talk about horses. I remember Rebecca Johnson has talked a lot about horses in in BVS. And then somebody went it was saying, when's the motif in BVS is the motif of horses, a symbol of death. And then they just go on to list every instance of a horse being used in that film. To which Zack Snyder replied with a quotation from the Book of Revelations uh, uh, 6-8, which was, and I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on that hymn was death. So, you know, the, the four horse, you know, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right. So that, yes, the use of horses in the film was very intentional. Yeah. Yeah, that was great too. In fact, on the uh, the Ultimate Edition, you actually had the CIA officers on the horses as well. Well, and you also have the horse walking by Bruce after the Black Zero event. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of horses in that movie. <laughs> yep. Then this was uh, another one. Uh, th- there was a, a question about why Batman, with all of his technology, would make a kryptonite spear. And so Zach actually made a direct post, and he showed a picture of the crucifixion of Jesus, and it showed the Roman soldier actually piercing the side of Jesus's body with a spear. And Zach quoted down below this picture, he says, why with all this technology at his disposal would Batman build a spear? Here's why. Yes, also known as the Spirit of Destiny in right. DC Comics mythology. Yep. And if you're a fan of, uh, wasn't it also Indiana Jones? No, no, not not the spear. It wasn't the spear, was it, uh, it was just the Ark of the Covenant. Well, and you had the Holy Grail okay. in, uh, in Lost Crusade. I thought the spear, wasn't the spear in something else? Oh, it was in uh, Constantine. It was Constantine, well, because it was the Spear of Destiny. The Spear of Destiny, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I knew it was something. Yeah, it's also referred to as the Holy Lance. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, there, but if you want even a, uh, another explanation, I think Man of Steel answers. D- Doc does a great episode yeah. about why a spear makes sense. Yes. Uh, there's uh, an allegory about the Gordian Knot, you know, because there's that whole scene in the museum where Bruce and Diana are, you know, talking about the fake sword. Uh, and uh, Zach replied, you know, replying to Shiraz Faruqi's um, analysis. And Zach said, that's all good. And Chris Tier is a big fan of the Gordian Knot symbolism, as am I. We often talk about how to layer it with the Spear of Destiny, Holy Lance symbolism as well. Yeah. Uh, and then Zach had posted something uh, uh, about the painting above Bruce Wayne's bed, uh, the scene where he actually wakes up off in his little, uh, what do you, over by the lake, that little. The lake house. The lake house, I guess. And Zach just said, here's an easy one. The Maplethorpe above his bed, I chose to represent the erotic as a drug that Bruce uses sex to momentarily forget his pain. Okay. Cool little insight. And, and, and then there's some teasing around that maybe the Robin suit we saw in the Batcave wasn't Jason. Um, I just feel like Zach is like making someone like defend their, their assumption that it's Jason. I still think it's Jason's suit, but you know, it's, it's fun watching him kind of go, okay, you think it's Jason, but why do you think that? Uh, I, 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 it's almost like a teacher who said, who even if you give them the right answer, they still want you to justify the answer. Yeah, and this was quite controversial with a lot of the fan base. Uh, they were taking it so 
literally about what Zach said, but it was Zach was responding, you know, what made you think that's Jason Todd? And and then Anthony Fabrizio responded back on Vero. He said, this is great on so many levels. Would Batman v Superman Bruce even bring in another Robin if Dick were killed? I say no way. Also, Dick Grayson dying would really add to Bruce's plunge into darkness. And then Zach actually responded to Anthony and said, it would make Bruce even darker. 20 years in Gotham. We know what promises are worth. So great callback to the line. Yeah, exactly. Um, you you didn't appreciate the story about why Wayne Manor is abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I did not. Uh, somebody had asked Zach, you know, love your style, but why is Wayne Manor abandoned? And Zach responded, I think his father commissioned a lake house as a gift to his mother, a place built by her favorite architect. She loved it. When Bruce turned 18, he moved in. He ordered Wayne Manor to be left to decompose. So it's not, this isn't too far off from the way it's usually depicted that, you know, that Bruce doesn't seem to have all that much interest in the mansion itself. But this is kind of interesting that basically saying 20 years, 20 some odd years, he has not been living in that mansion. And I was always kind of hoping, you know, when I saw the film, uh, Batman v Superman, because it kind of looked like, it looked like, you know, Wayne Manor was burnt and had undergone some kind of, you know, damage of some sort. And so between that and the Robin suit, which looked burned, I always kind of envisioned that maybe whatever had happened to Robin actually played out in the mansion. And so I always was kind of hoping that there was like a real big story there. Ah, uh, your expectation is coming to bite you in the butt. It's coming to bite me right in the butt. But according to Zach, he's downplaying it and has a much simpler explanation. But that to me, that doesn't mean that there still can't be some story to why it's damaged. Because just imagine, uh, just a mansion being abandoned doesn't necessarily cause it to be burnt down. Well, if it's burnt, and we're also assuming that it looks burned, you know, you know, that's, uh, you know, we're making some assumptions here. We are, we are. Yeah. Uh, then somebody was asking about that Deathstroke footage that Ben Affleck tweeted out during Justice League, and I think we all safely, most of us safely assume that was just test footage. Right. Uh, but uh, Zach did confirm that yes, the the Deathstroke footage that was tweeted out by Ben Affleck was test footage. Yeah. It was a costume test. And then one last one, somebody had commented that there was like an article explaining the parallel of his father to Superman, talking about Lex Luthor, a very warped sense of father God figures, and it's heavily implied that Lex got rid of his own father. And Zach responded back, we feel the same about Lex taking out his dad. And then another response, so if the Flash was from a future where Lois is dead, then I guess the question is, how did she die? Did Batman accidentally kill her instead of Superman the night of their battle? And Zach responded back and says, that's the question, all right. For another time, it's a long story. <laughs> Which I think probably plays into the whole original vision of the two-part Justice League exactly. that we're never gonna that we're never gonna see. So that would it's one of those uh, what could have been's that you know even by the time we got Justice League, we still weren't gonna get. Yeah, like like if we ever do get the the Snyder cut of Justice League, that's still not the story we're gonna get be- because the the movie had already been truncated at that point. Right. And then the last one I actually got, and this is one that actually kind of broke right after we had finished recording our last episode. But it always happens that way, doesn't it? Uh, not always. Uh, Ray Fisher posted something out on Vero, and it was it was a great scene that you know we never saw in Justice League. But it was him as a football player diving for the end zone about uh, about a yard or two away and being tackled by the opponent. And Ray had posted on there. It says, life doesn't always go how we plan it. The only thing we can do is keep reaching for what we believe. Hashtag Borg life. And then Zack Snyder posted a different picture of the same scene. The same scene, but this one of him actually scoring the touchdown. Yeah, because he breaks the plane. He breaks the plane and the ball touches the pylon at the... Pylon, yeah. We know football. We yeah, know we football. Know, we know football. <laughs> and Zach just uh, titled it or subcaptioned it, Believe, at Ray Fisher. Hashtag Borg life. I believe, Zach. I believe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, this is just, you know, Zach knows exactly what he's saying, what he's 
doing. So he's just basically encouraging Ray to keep believing or us to keep believing, you know, that we all to keep believing. Yeah. At some point, we're going to be able to at least get in some form or fashion, you know, the story that we were hoping to get. Yeah. Um, a little miscellaneous TV news to just kind of wind up the episode. This is kind of fun. I got really excited about this. So was it last week we talked about the boys yes. and Karen Fujar being in part? Well, um, update. I have not read it yet, but thanks to being a member of Comixology Unlimited, they have a digital omnibus where I can read the first 22 issues for free. So I will be reading that pretty soon because you guys have intrigued me with your talk about how just um, obscene this book must be. It is. <laughs> it's great. Well, Carl Urban had actually been cast as playing Billy Butcher from The Boys. I don't even know who that character is, but I'll watch Carl Urban play anything. He's the one with the crowbar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And and then when, oh. I, when I first heard that Carl Urban was going to be cast in this, I'm like, oh, well, that's who he's going to be playing. I mean, it's obvious. <laughs> he's the obvious person who he's going to play. So Please tell And you've seen his Dread movie, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's fantastic. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm really pumped about this. I, I'm looking forward to this show because this is on Amazon, right? Yes, this is going to be an Amazon series. Absolutely. Well, uh, we also got the news that if you are a fan of the DCCW and you listen to DC TV Squadcast with Brent and Ray, um, I'm sure you have heard that all the shows have been renewed. They're all getting n- other seasons. So that means what? Flash gets season. That means Flash gets season five. Arrow gets season seven. Legends of Tomorrow gets season four. Black Lightning gets season two. And that puts... Does this include iZombie as well? You know, that is a good question because I am behind on iZombie. Uh, I am going to double check that since you decided to, you know... Drop that bomb on you? Drop that bomb on me. Uh, no, it does not confirm iZombie. It confirms Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Supernatural, Riverdale, Jane the Virgin, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Okay. Supernatural, by the way, <laughs> just continuing to go on. I was like, uh, you know, I, I kind of want that show to end so that we can get our Constantine show. <laughs> I don't know. Did you see they just did a crossover episode with Scooby-Doo? Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. I I am so behind on that show, but I have a friend who like is up to date and it's like his favorite. It's still his favorite show on television mm-hmm. right now. So we got uh, some Smallville news for you, for you that are like Smallville fans. Now, now it's not the Smallville news that we're going to actually post on Patreon. <laughs> that's, that's a whole different <laughs> that's set some of news. <laughs> that's a whole different set of news. Uh, this actually involves Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum. And we're having a conversation and they had kind of floated this idea about getting back together and, and possibly like voicing like a Smallville reunion actually as an animated feature. Well, they were, well, really, that was just sort of them like spitballing. Sure. But, but I would be, I would it be. got the wheels turning. Yeah. I would be in on that because I read all of the season 11 comic and I really liked that because the beauty of the comic and then also of an animated series is you can finally go full comic book. Yeah. Yeah. That is really cool. And it's, it seems like, you know, I mean, cause obviously they're just not going to get back together and you know, there's, there's, there's just not the demand for that, you know, for that show to come back on the air with those characters. But like, you could definitely like see like a, a one time, like animated feature. I mean, cause they've been doing it with some other properties. I mean, of course we did it with uh, Batman 66, got a couple film, uh, you know, animated movies out of that. Um, this would be a really good one. I mean, there's a, there is a big fan base out there that would probably tune in for like, you know, kind of advancing that Smallville story a little bit further in the future and just kind of bring in the same voice actors. I, I think it's a, it's got a ton of potential. Cause you, you've got, still got Tom Welling who could do Superman. You still got Michael Rosenbaum who could do Lex Luthor. And Michael Rosenbaum is an, is already himself an accomplished voice actor. Yeah. I'm sorry. He was of all things, 
brings the Flash on Justice League. Right. So, you know, <laughs> he's he, he is no stranger to the recording booth. And you, you can still get Erica Durant as Lois Lane. Like, this could happen. Chloe Sullivan, you know, bring, well, maybe not. I'm not, mm, <laughs> tune into Patreon for more on that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's, I, I, there's just a ton of potential there. And I, I think they know that as well. Yes. And, and I like Mike, Michael Rosenbaum. It's great. I could voice the character and keep my hair. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, so I would be all for that. So then we got a little bit of a little bit of a, uh, some news here on the Titans show, which is going to be that 13 episode digital streaming service show for DC. Uh, that's going to debut sometime, I think, later this year is what we know it to be. Ryan Potter, who is cast as Beast Boy, was being interviewed by Discussing Film, and he had some stuff to say about uh, the show. And since we haven't talked about this in a while, we'll at least give you some of the quotes he said. This is one of the coolest projects I've had a chance to work on. The people in this project are, are so good that at what they do. I'm blown away every day I go to the set. He says, that's all I think I'm actually allowed to say, but Brenton is killing it. Now, Brenton Thwaites has actually been cast as Robin, as far as we know. He m- may turn into Nightwing. We don't know. At this point, it's Robin. No, he's Dick Grayson. He's Dick Grayson. Yeah, He's Dick Grayson. But we saw the Robin costume. Uh, he says, I really enjoy working with him. He's always working with the writers and the directors in terms of bringing as much authentic- authenticity to these characters as possible. Okay. Well, I, I just, I want this, once again, it's just another one of those, tell me when I can sign up for the streaming service. That's all I need to know. Uh, and then I think kind of uh, lastly, uh, interesting news. We've, we've kind of talked about this, you know, like once in a blue moon on the show, but it has been confirmed that FX has given a pilot green light to a adaptation of Why the Last Man. Now, which I know you were a big fan of the yes. book. I have not read the book, but what gets me excited is that the one of the co-showrunners is going to be Michael Green, who co- was a co-showrunner on the first season of American Gods, which was excellent, and he also co-wrote Blade Runner 2049, and those are just his more recent works. Like I think I think he had something to do... He, he's written comic books before. I remember he wrote on the Superman-Batman book back around Infinite Crisis, and uh, this is this is kind of exciting. They also have a, a, another showrunner, um, um, Ada M- Mashaka Coral? Coral? Um, she was one the sh- apparently she worked on Luke Cage. So I, this sounds interesting. I mean, there is talent. Behind, you're interested in the book, and I'm interested in the talent. Yeah. Now, Why the Last Man uh, w- debuted as a Vertigo book for DC Comics, and basically the premise. And I, I don't want to give away anything about this series because it's just a, it's such a great series. Brian K. Vaughn is the writer. He's done phenomenal work out there. This was this was a, a unique take on a post-apocalyptic world, and basically the gist of it is, which you find out immediately in the first issue, is that basically every man in the world has died and there's nothing but just women that have survived. And and it's and you don't know why that happened, but the, all the men just dropped dead except for one. And and that's why it's called Why the Last Man? Because there's one man who did not die for whatever reason. And so, and you could just take, just take that as a setting and figure out all the places you can go with that story. And it's, it's such a great series. And I'm so excited to finally see this because it was rumored at one time that they were going to try to make a, a, a film out of this, that there was like, a, you know, early development for a Why the Last Man film. And I think the problem with that is like, this is one of these things that you could really tell the story if you have some kind of like episodic type of show to do it. And I'm so looking forward to this one right now. Well, I'm, you know, and FX, uh, I only watched like the first episode and a half of Legion, but, you know, FX does good shows. I love the Americans. Like it, it's one of those, it's one of those channels that when you hear they're doing an original show, you have my attention because they've done good work. Well, all right, that's it.
it for this week's podcast. We want to thank you so much for listening. And um, as always, we want you to reach out. You know, we love interacting with you guys. So, of course, the best way to get in touch with us is on Twitter. You can contact the show at Suicide Squadcast, and you never know which one of us you're going to get. It's kind of like rolling the dice. But if you want to reach out to me individually, I can be reached at ScottDC27. Yep. And then also on Twitter, you can reach me at Alan Fire. And of course, if you want to email us, you can always reach out to us at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. Guys, we love hearing from you, so don't hesitate to reach out. Twitter is always the best way. We can, Scott and I can always get quick responses to you. So. Yeah, that or Vero. You know, we're both on Vero. I mean, I'm pretty, I check Vero quite regularly, so that's, you can get us there. Facebook, every once in a while, you know, it's it's there. And of course, we have SuicideSquadcast.com, where you can find the entire network of shows. Yep. And then if, if you guys would like to help contribute to the show, uh, you know, we are a fan-supported network of shows. You know, like I said, we, we don't ever want to do commercials for, at least for our shows. And so we completely rely on you guys. So if you'd like to help support, like for example, if you uh, were to support $5 a month, you get all the extra content that we post to Patreon. So that's a great way of uh, helping to support the show and also getting a little bit of extra from us. So Okay. I think that's it, Tim. I think so. We, we made we made through another week. We made it through another week and I'm going to go medicate myself because I'm... I'm <laughs> I am, you're, you're, you're suffering right now. I'm, I'm a little bit suffering. I'm, I've picked up a cold. You know, my wife uh, works at a, at a school and, you know, my daughter's in school and my son's in daycare and it's just it's a it's a lose lose situation man there's no way i'm not <laughs> catching every single cold that comes out in every season oh i'm hey i don't even have to worry about that i've got you know i've got the yellow covered deck from all the pollen i got coming so it's <laughs> it's 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 miserable all the way around yeah <laughs> no matter which way you slice it so hey at least we saved the complaining for the end of the show we this did time. we did we did so it, this, this is new <laughs> well guys we want to thank you so much and as we always say go out and keep reading some dc guys bye I am this close to blocking comic book resources. It's not like I click on it anyway, but I'm sorry. You have the gall to write an article that says, because Zack Snyder, quote, has to explain his movie, that's what makes it bad. What kind of BS is that? Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, the fact is, all this kind of came out this week because Zack is, like, pointing out lots of the small little things that have nothing to do with the overall story of the film, but it just kind of shows how much love and thought he put into actually filmmaking. And he doesn't have to explain. People are asking questions. So he's answering. I don't... I'm sorry. I have the perfect response for comic book resources right now. (laughs) I'm with you on this one. Goodbye. See ya.
All right, Scott, I kind of feel like we should just blow up Keith Rainier and the whole Nexium thing. Yeah, I mean, but we didn't talk. That, that's a Patreon thing. I mean, is that really blow up worthy at the <sighs> at the end? It's not. It's not because we're we didn't talk about it at all on the show, or at least we we kind of alluded to it. But <laughs> but I still want to blow him up because you know it's like it, it's totally ruined Smallville for me. And then tonight I find out it's actually going to ruin Battlestar Galactica for me. I, I can't no, make that no. show the same now. I just I feel I feel violated. I think we should blow him up just because of that. It's like, stop messing with my sci-fi. Yes, definitely. Okay, that's it. We're blowing them up.